reading from Nehemiah 12, verses 27 to 47. At the dedication of the wall, all of Jerusalem, the Levites were... Sorry, I'll start again. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out from where they lived and were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving and with music of cymbals, harps and lyres. The singers also were brought together from the region around Jerusalem, from the villages of the Netophathites, from Beth Gilgal, and from the area of Geba and Asmaveth. For the singers had built villages for themselves around Jerusalem. When the priests and Levites had purified themselves ceremonially, they purified the people, the gates, and the wall. I had the leaders of Judah go up on top of the wall. I also assigned two large choirs to give thanks, one on the right towards the dung gate, Hoshiah and half the leaders of Judah followed them, along with Azariah, Ezra, Meshalem, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, Jeremiah, as well as some priests with trumpets, and also Zechariah, son of Jonathan, the son of Shemaiah, the son of Mataniah, the son of Micaiah, the son of Zachor, the son of Asaph, and his associates, Shemaiah, Azarel, Milalai, Gilalai, Mai, Nethanel, Judah, and Hanani, with musical instruments prescribed by David, the man of God. Ezra the scribe led the procession. At the fountain gate, they continued directly up the steps of the city of David, on the ascent to the wall, and passed above the house of David to the water gate on the east. The second choir proceeded in the opposite direction. I followed them on top of the wall, together with half the people, past the tower of the ovens to the broad wall, over the gate of Ephraim, the Jeshanar gate, the fish gate, the tower of Hananel, and the tower of the hundred, as far as the sheep gate. At the gate of the guard, they stopped. The two choirs that gave thanks then took their places in the house of God. So did I, together with half the officials, as well as the priests, Eliakim, Maaseiah, Mijamin, Micaiah, Elioanai, Zechariah, and Hananiah, with their trumpets, and also Maaseiah, Shemaiah, Eliezer, Uzi, Jehohanan, Melchijah, Elam, and Ezer. The choirs sang under the direction of Jezrahiah. And on that day, 
they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. At that time, men were appointed to be in charge of the storerooms for the contributions, first fruits, and tithes. From the fields around the towns, they were to bring into the storerooms the portions required by the law for the priests and the Levites. For Judah was pleased with the ministering priests and Levites. They performed the service of their God and the service of purification, as did also the singers and gatekeepers, according to the commands of David and his son Solomon. For long ago, in the days of David and Asaph, there had been directors for the singers and for the songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. So, in the days of Zerubbabel and of Nehemiah, all Israel contributed the daily portions for the singers and gatekeepers. They also set aside the portion for the other Levites, and the Levites set aside the portion for the descendants of Aaron. Amen. Thank you, Margaret. Appreciate that. I just wondered, I just kind of worked out why people avoid me when I look like I want to ask them to do a reading. <laughs> but that, that's okay. I'm okay with that. Some of those names, wasn't they? Like, like David, was it? It's, it's okay. It's really good to see you. Welcome. And my name is Keith, if you've never seen me before. Um, I serve here at the church. It's a great privilege. I've been here since, gosh, feels like a long time, but it's only September. So there you go. There you are. We're going to pray and ask the Lord to bless us. I honestly believe every time that God wants to really speak to us, he really wants to. It's no accident that you're here today. Absolutely not. And it's no accident you're watching online live or later on with technology. Isn't it great? And so uh, thank you so much for uh, being here and for watching. But let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit. He's the one who does the work. It's not about clever preachers or speakers. It's about the Holy Spirit who comes and takes what can look complex and somehow even sound complex. He takes it and he just does his thing in the hearts and lives of people like we heard Friday night. Wow, that's amazing, isn't it? I mean, that's a better, better than an England goal celebration. It is really, guys, honestly. A, a, a young life coming to Jesus Christ. I came to Jesus at 16, and it's just great, isn't it? I think it's better than that, but there you go. Yeah, so, so someone came to Jesus on Friday night. Yeah, yeah, oh, oh, yeah. I'm going to pray. Oh, Holy Spirit, we need you because we have kind of got to live in a topsy-turvy world which celebrates different things, which is good and, and right. But Lord, you're the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. We've just sang, how great is our God. And Lord, I just pray that you would put that at the foremost of our minds, that we would leave here, to, leave here today knowing why we meet. So often we can forget, we can have an agenda, and we have a busy rotor, and we have tasks, and all of that can kind of crowd out why we're here. And I pray today we'll be reminded that we're here because we gather around you. And so would you just help us do that? For any who are sad, who have lost perspective, might it be that you give us your vista to see what you can see 
and how we ache and long to be able to worship you openly and fully in singing and expression and all of that. Thank you so much for how we're led today and for the technicians and how they just really try, just really endeavor just to connect with you and help us in our restrictions. We just so love and appreciate the team here. So might it be that as your word comes, that anything from the speaker will disappear, will be forgotten instantly, and that only what you would like to have us hear and to act on would remain in our hearts for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I just love that, How Great Is Our God. I really I just love that song. Because it is all about him, isn't it? And it sounds obvious, but a lot of people kind of turn, turn up in buildings like this, and they're really not sure what it's about. But it's, you know, God loves you. If you forget everything today, as I often say, if you forget my name, God loves you, and he wants to know you. And I want to say that at the beginning before we do Nehemiah 12, because it's easy to forget why we're here. It really, really is. I remember I, I came across a website once. I was just kind of looking at websites of churches to see how, how they were depicting things. And it was a, this church, the website looked really slick and cool and good. And it, I found it a bit odd, though, because I started reading this site. And then uh, let's change the name of the pastor. Um, I think he said something like... Um, Come to this church because you will hear um, Lee or whatever. And if you call Lee, I'm really, really sorry. And it's, it's one of the things. Just get over it. Anyway, it says, just, you will hear Lee speak. Lee will change your life. I mean, really. Lee is just amazing. You know, he's anointed. I mean, God, I, I searched for Jesus on the front page and he wasn't there. Uh, he wasn't even on the menus. And I thought, Wow. That's shocking. It really is because we can suddenly project everything that we want from a God, a God to a God figure. It's very easy for even platforms and personalities and, and pastors and leaders and all sorts of personalities in the Christian media world to kind of, and no one says these things. I'm just saying this is exactly what happens in lots of people's heads is they suddenly project their desires and all of their answers and their angst in life onto a person. Suddenly they become the God figure. And if the person is sad enough to believe that over time, they develop a God complex, which then suddenly means that the arrangement works quite sweet. Because we need each other. And really, you know, we're all people. I'm a frail, failing human being. So remember that. It's re I really am. And it's only Jesus that can sort your life out because, as he can sort mine out. And it's really important that we understand who it is we're gathering about. Now, what I like about the Waypoint site at the beginning, I looked this morning just in case. <laughs> there you go. We could do some other stuff. As a church, our focus for 2021, it's, it's forever actually, but you know, I know what they mean. Our focus for 2021 is to press on and pursue Jesus, to know him better and to join in, join in with his kingdom plan. That's all right. First page, good effort. I, I was just, I had a panic attack in my office. I was just like, come and preach. So I, I better look at the checks. Everyone's going to be looking, what's ours like? Let's have a look at this. And so that's what I did. But we're looking at Nehemiah 12. And those of you who are visiting, or maybe this is the first message you've heard, uh, we're looking at this Old Testament book called Nehemiah. I love the Old Testament. I was really surprised. Last week, uh, you learn about your work colleagues. Jim said that he liked history. I didn't know that about Jim. I did tell him that there was no future in history. Don't worry about it. 
You'll forgive me for that. He's out there, isn't he? You'll watch this. Oh, dear. But we're going in the book of Nehemiah, and we're asking the question, what's it going to look like as we become God's gathered people again? What does that look like? Because this has got to be a great opportunity for me and for all of us, hasn't it, to really think, why do we do this? And so I, I, I call today in our rebuilding series, Gathered Around Him. Because it's very easy, it's very easy for us to kind of forget and get back into what we should do. I've said before, if we're a busy church, it can be very functional. So when we talk about what's it going to look like when we come back to, to worship again, I know that many questions are asking about, well, what sort of services? Will we jump back straight to what we did before? And all sorts of things. And they're great questions. Of course they are. We have to practically work out what we're going to do. But really, what we really want to see and talk about today in Nehemiah 12 is we want to talk about what the content what is it? What is actually the content of who we're worshiping? How should that feel and look? And what is the actual content of all that we do when we gather? In some ways, the format, it's important, but it's not that as important as what it is in, in the detail of how we worship. And I'm not just talking about worshiping music, just the whole thing of the gathering now, I know some of you over these weeks have heard messages about, you know, it's, you know, we've got to be missional and we've got to be a kingdom building people out there. And everything that we have said is, is right and proper. But it can then be easy to kind of make it a binary choice between just being a people who go out all the time or a people who are just focused on the gathered. Can I say it's both and? It's both and. We have a, an awesome purpose as we gather. I mean, I love this gathering. Do you know there's something unique and special about the gathered people of God? And I'm grateful for technology, and I've said this a lot, but there's no replacement for being amongst God's people. You know, Jesus said, didn't he, when you gather, I'm going to be in the midst of that. And there's something special, and I don't know about you today, but when I heard some people desperately trying to break out into song today, and there's a beautiful voice not far from me, I, I, I felt quite emotional. Was that just me? Isn't it? Just that ache. It's almost like an ache of the night. An ache of the soul. And what are you going to do in two weeks? I mean, two weeks, I, I'm really hoping we can really, really sing. I am. It's not to me, by the way. Don't, don't email me. I really want to sing. I, want to, I might do a Blues Brothers thing down the center of the aisle. Have you seen that movie? Somersault. And, I don't know. Maybe not. Probably put me back out. But you know, it's not a binary thing. But we need to understand that actually, boil it down at the end of the day. Why do we come here? You know, the Westminster Shorter Catechism asked this question What is the chief aim of man? And the answer comes to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And so what Nehemiah wants to do, and thank you for that reading, Margaret. I really appreciate it. The first 26 verses were horrific as well, so we cut them out. But what he wants to do is remind the people that they were primarily an ongoing worshipping community. 
So if we'd have seen the first 26 verses in your Bible, he says, these were the priests, I won't read it all, don't worry. These were the priests and Levites who returned 90 years ago with Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and with Joshua. And he lists these people. All he's basically saying, and when you see lists, historical lists in the Bible, is what the writer's trying to do is reconnect the current community with their worshipping community in the past. What he's saying is we are part of an ongoing worshipping community in the first 26 verses. And I've had the privilege over these, in these early months, and I'm still doing this, to work out the stories of Loxie Free Church and Waypoint Church. And I've had a wonderful time. I really have. Leslie and I visited uh, Viv and Maggie the other evening, and they were telling us the story of, of the youth group when they just suddenly brought 80 people along here in mass, whatever it was, a, a youth and Some of you will know this story. And I've been finding out the stories because we are part of an ongoing worshipping community. And that might seem obvious, but it's really wonderful to know that that's who we are. We're gathered around him. And so that's what he does. But it's really important to ask ourselves as an ongoing worshipping community when we emerge and when more people are sat next to us or whatever that looks like, is what, what is that content? What should that look like? And I'm not talking about should we meet at 10 o'clock or 9 o'clock. They're discussions for ongoing things. I'm talking about the, the content of what it is we do and who it is we're worshipping. And so what we see uh, initially is we see in, in Nehemiah 12, in verse 27, the content of our worship. We see the content of our worship in verse 27. If you look at it in, in, your, in your Bible, if you, if you bring that, I, I hope you do. Uh, the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem. The Levites were sought out from where they lived and were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving. So firstly, the content of our worship is really important. It's to be one of celebration, thanksgiving, and dedication. That's what verse 27 tells us. Our, our worship is to be one of, of celebration, thanksgiving, and dedication. You know, so often we can go to the kind of shopping list, can't we? In our prayers. It's really interesting if you want to know the spiritual health of someone, listen to them pray. It's easy to go straight to our Tesco shopping list. There are other good supermarkets. But it's very easy, isn't it, to be able to say, Lord, I'm going to go right to my request. But actually, primarily, in the content of the gathering around Nehemiah, in Nehemiah 12, is it's to be one of celebration, thanksgiving, and dedication. So they were sought out with the Levites to, and were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving. Do you know whatever's happened in this last, I think Rachel said it beautifully, haven't we got so much to thank God for? Haven't we? You know, the psalmist says in, in 84, I think he says at the beginning, he's had such a torrid time, but at the beginning of that psalm he says, but had not the Lord been with us. You know, whatever we're facing, had not the Lord been with us. And, and, and the people here in 12 are recalling and celebrating what God had done and, and they're worshipping here and they see themselves as ongoing community. And you know, whatever we go through as a church, whatever chapters are ahead of us, we can look back with great thanksgiving, knowing that we, we stand on the shoulders. I remember when I joined Bethel Church in Coventry, I was the fifth minister. 
And people meant well, and I've probably said this before, sorry. But they meant well, and they used to say things like this after a while. Oh, it's much better now. Some, not all of them said that, by the way. So I got, you know, I got over myself quite quick. But I'd say, no, it isn't. Not in a nice way. It's different. We build on the shoulders of those who've gone. We would regularly celebrate the stories, the 80-plus years story of Bethel Church Coventry. And that was brilliant because people could see they were part of an ongoing narrative. And then the content of our worship was so important, you see. See, so often now, I worry about some songs. I've got to be brutally honest with you. They kind of reduce Jesus to some kind of boyfriend figure. And I've got to be honest, it's not like that. Of course he loves us. Of course he's one that sticks closer than the brother. But have you noticed how many songs are so me-centered? Me, myself, and I. You know, and, and I love that because he loves me and he loves us. But the content of our worship is so critical. It's so important. But also we see the nature of our worship. It's there in 27 again. It's got to be one of, that is joyful. So in 27, it says, you know, they were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully. Joyfully. And that's hard. That's so difficult. It really is. When things aren't going great. But you know, I think it just means that what we can do is there's always something to thank God for in our life. There's always something. You know, whether it's our circumstances are difficult. You know, where, just think of the promises of God. You know, normally now if we could all speak out and shout out, I'd, I'd pass a mic around and say, come on, let's declare the promises of God over this congregation. And you might say things like, I'm a child of the king. He's never going to leave me nor forsake me. My name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Come on. And we'd be going around for ages and there'd be prophetic voices and voices speaking into the church that say, this is the goodness of God in spite of my circumstances so I can say with Job, even if he slays me, yeah, I'm going to praise him. Yeah. Seriously. And so, you know, my worship today is joyful, not because my life is amazing, although I, I, I feel blessed in so many ways, but because he is good all the time. Even when I'm not, I love it when, Tim, when Paul says to Timothy, even when we are faithless, he is faithful. How great is our God, really. And so we see that the, the content of our worship is our thanksgiving, etc. And we see that the nature is one of joy. And in verse 43a, in the first part, it says, And on that day they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God, God had given them great joy. You know, he's the source of our joy. It's not something I've got to manufacture. Because we know where joy comes from, don't we? It's a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace. You know, the enemy wants to steal our joy. Why is that? Nehemiah told us a few chapters ago, didn't he? Remember? Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. He wants to steal your joy this morning. He wants to steal it. And he's good at doing that because he'll, he'll kind of allow us to lose perspective on life and on God and eternity. And we'll be surrounded by our now chapter. And that's what he does. 
But he wants to steal our joy. But it's not just a few people. It's a church-wide thing. Do you notice in the second part of 43? This is what we see here. I love this part. So I'll read all of 43. And on that day they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The second part, the women and children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. You know, I love listening to little ones worship. Don't you? I remember our girls... uh, Big now. And we used to take them around the, 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 the supermarket, sit them in the trolley bit. And I remember, I remember let's see, uh, yeah, Becky would sort of kind of sing her heart out around the supermarket, really singing loudly. You know? I mean, some of these old hymns as well. I mean, the great. I mean, don't, 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 don't insult our children. We don't understand these things. I remember Becky, she didn't kind of understand everything about the songs she was singing, but she'd often be on a swing as well in the garden and all the neighbors would be listening. She'd be going, praise him, praise him, Jesus, our blessed redeemer. Sing, oh, earth, this wonderful love, proclaim. Sing, oh, yeah. And she'd be singing it at the top of her voice. I mean, highest archangels in glory, she was three. Okay, I didn't do a test on that. But I think it was the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God in our children, in our Samuels, in our Josiahs. Don't stunt their growth, spiritual growth and worship of our children by giving them just little songs. I know we do a great work here. There's no uh, hidden thing in there. But our children are spiritual dynamos, sponges, who can worship and praise. And they have no inhibitions in the supermarket trolley. And people used to walk past and you could probably tell the ones who were believers, they might sort of look and smile and go, great song. <laughs> and I used to love it. And so we see here, you know, that the, the women and children also rejoiced. It was a community, family thing. It was so important. But then thirdly, we see the, the variety and legacy of our worship. There were so many instruments used. Did you see all those instruments there in 27 onwards? Just right through, just read it. I'm not going to read it all again. But there were all sorts of instruments, there were trumpets, etc., all used for the glory of God. Cymbals, harps, and lyres in 27. I mean, this was a real variety. All were involved, and it was done in recognition that they followed a legacy, 1 to 26, of previous worshippers. In some ways, we could say we owe it to the legacy of Loxy Free Church and Waypoint Church to be a worshipping community that spills out into our families, into the communities because of the ministry and service that's gone on here. And it's so beautiful. And it's worship that recognizes the breath for the family. Do you know, um, I often used to say at my last place, it was difficult. I, I think we need to pray for our worship leaders and things. They have a hard job. Everyone's got a view, haven't they? You know, I heard about one worship leader. It's not the best answer, but I can understand them getting a little bit after the 10th person says, I didn't like the songs today. I know you'll never have said that, so that's good. But this, I heard about one worship leader, and this, the 11th person goes up to them and says, didn't like the songs today. And they said, well, we weren't worshipping you. <laughs> oh, 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 sorry. I get it. Uh, it's hard not to strike the rock when you've heard that a lot, but it's very difficult. But I remember there used to be quite a lot of comments there, and I used to remember, it reminded me, and I remember reminding the, the church in, in, when I was in Bethel, I'd say, it depends how hard you want to work at being family. 
You see, if we don't want to work that hard at being family, just do your own stuff. You know, you could have every, every single child in a different room on different gadgets, never have meal times, never do stuff. And I remember our family parties at Christmas. I tell you, they were something. And my nan, um, quite um, formidable. Anyway, we all like something different. So I like status quo. Don't judge me on that. I still do, actually. I used to see them every other year till well, fairly recently. There you go. Anyway, we all like something different. And we'd, my dad would be into Shirley Bassey. This is a Christmas party. Look at you all staring. It's great. What's this? Where's this going? But you see, my nan would like Val Dunican. Couldn't stand the bloke. Okay. Now, he's a really lovely guy, all that, whatever. Sorry, if you like him. But you see, the thing is, I, we never said, right, next, this Christmas, we're just all going to play Val Dunican because otherwise nan's, you know. It was, we love the people who love the songs. And I even found my nan tapping her foot to quo. Because we loved it. And I often would say this, and I think this is quite an important thing when it comes to the gathering and the family. Whatever, whatever it looks like, it doesn't matter in that sense. I'm not talking about format. But you know, if, if you're a young person and you love all the latest songs, you absolutely adore them, okay? And then we play an old song which means so much to people who've tread and walked with the Lord for 40 or 50 years. Praise God for those who've been walking with Jesus for years on whose shoulders we now stand and serve. That's family. I loved my nan. I thank God for her. And if you were an older person and were singing the, the latest songs and the words are too strange and and it, the, the beat is too quick and you can't quite understand it because the sentences come thick and fast and repeated, then praise God for the generation of young people who are getting saved on Friday nights who are coming up, this generation of believers, and say, this is my family. That's, that's the attitude. Can you imagine in a family, all about choice, we get so consumer-driven consumer about what it looks like and we've got to care for everyone and the parties had to had to be a party that cared for my nan and me and everyone. Can you imagine someone coming down for breakfast in your house? Saying, oh, I'm moving next door because they do pancakes on the morning. What? Yeah. They started having pancakes, so I'm going there. Right. We're your family, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds silly? We, we can kind of get into that mindset. And I'm just saying here that really the variety and legacy of our worship, you had the women, you had the children here, and it was amazing. And you got a sense that it just spilled out. In fact, it tells us that it spilled out. In verse 36 and 37, just listen to what happened. It wasn't only just here. So 36, 37, it says, you know, all the instruments prescribed by David, the man of God, and Ezra, the teacher of the law. And at the fountain gate, they continued, continued directly up the steps of the city of David on the ascent to the wall and passed above the site of David's palace to the water gate on the east. So they were going along the walls. They were spilling out in Jerusalem. They were going on worshiping and praising God. And so our worship spills out into the streets and houses, into your homes, and, and it's beautiful. See, authentic worship does that. It's, it's so gorgeous. I love, I love this passage. It's so inclusive. And the question is, does our worship spill out? Are we different in our homes or in our work than in church? 
Is Jesus the best kept secret in my life? And so we see here, in the last part of 43, the sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. Isn't that amazing? Wouldn't it be amazing if the sound and the worship and not the singing, but the whole mood of that, of Waypoint Church, could be heard far away? Wow. Wow. And it's not about some guy called Lee or whatever it is. It's about Jesus and the kingdom of God. Wow. And it spills out because we work hard at loving each other and being family. I love that. I, oh, I do. Is, is it just me? Oh, good. Good. I can't. It's just the lights are. Finally. We see the purity and sincerity of our worship in verse 30. When the priests and Levites had purified themselves ceremonially, that was a big deal, they purified the people, the gates, and the wall. The priestly purification service was designed to teach God's holiness and moral purity. From Leviticus 16, just read it later. It was designed to bring it all around the holiness of God. And I love that song, How Great Is Our God. I know there's a couple of songs after the message. Maybe we could even do that chorus again. I don't know. I'll leave that to the team to discern that. But I just love that, How Great Is Our God. Name above all names. But it's about the purity and sincerity of our worship as well. Authenticity. Do you know? And that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter which way you do that. I remember talking to one guy. He came up to me once. I can be a bit expressive. You might have worked that out. I'm a bit subdued with a mask. Don't worry, I'm, I'm okay. But he came up to me, he says, I don't do all that stuff. I don't like doing all the expressive stuff. He was nice about it. He was nice. He says, I've got a bit of an inexpressible joy. You could call it that, maybe. And, um, which is fine. And I've got to say, I'm into it. that's all fine. However, the key thing is Authenticity. Authenticity. So there'll be 60,000 people maybe in the stadium tonight and there'll be those who cannot, cannot stand and jump up in the air. They may, be, they may be, uh, have some sort of disability or in a chair or whatever and they are so authentically supporting England. I get the fact that we all express differently and there are others who can express in a different way. But it's about being authentic. But this was really strange with this particular individual. I said, completely, I get it. Don't worry, we don't expect you to stand up when everyone stands up and raise your hand when everyone raises your hand. You just stay there and, that's, and it's beautiful. I loved seeing you in that place of authentic inner worship. But then I, I saw, this got me because I saw them not long after. And um, they came into the church and they kind of, I can't do it, what they did. They kind of did a, like this. All right, that's really bad, isn't it? <laughs> Dance, not my thing. Okay, get him off. <laughs> and I said, wow, what's with you? And he said, oh, um, got quite a good pay rise this week at work. And I was wondering, I didn't say it right away because it's not nice. I, I just kind of, we had a chat. I just wondered what triggered his inhibitions what a pay rise did that Jesus couldn't. That's been horrible, isn't it? 
I'm sorry. Now, he would have come, now seriously, hear me out. If he had come in and said, I'd have said, hi, how are you doing? And it'd have been normal. Yeah, I'm all right. Massive pay rise this week. It's all right. Good. Authentic, genuine, consistent. That's, that's how you are. Loving it already. But if Jesus doesn't fuel, if I say, well, no, I don't really celebrate all the goodness of heaven and God. I'm not very flamboyant. And I get a pay rise, an England win. Whoa, yeah, here we go. I'm thinking, oh, what's triggered something in your heart there? Now you might say, well, I know what it is. But it, no, no, sorry, the Spirit of God. I honestly think there's something around consistency. That might just be me and Keith.Foster at waypointchurch.org.uk. You can email me. But it's, it just worries me. So it's really, we see here, authentic worship. And so I just want to bring this down. And it's not just about being out there or kingdom or what times we meet or, or how long the services are. We have five and a half songs and messages are 30 minutes. It's really a, the key thing for us. And this is going to be something I honestly think we're going to have to hold on to a lot is that we remember that ultimately we are part of an ongoing worshipping community whose ministry has been going here, the Lord has blessed over many years. Right from Gordon Skip, right through. And we now, it is upon us to continue God's kingdom work with all our hearts, with all our passion, with all our mind and soul because we love Jesus. And that is something we, I want to continue to remind myself that this is what God is up to. He's not surprised by anything in our lives, individually or corporately. So that's primarily why we come. Gathered around him. But the content of our worship will be important. That it's thanksgiving and dedication, all those things. The nature of our worship, that we can, whatever the weather, we can still worship with joy. And the variety and legacy of our worship that is inclusive. That just loves to see the broad family worshipping together. And that spilling out into the streets and walls of the city, whatever that looks like. And then the sincerity and purity and authenticity of our worship. Always around him. And I think if that's how we are, whatever it looks like, whether we have ten services in the future, I think we'll be in good shape. Because it'll all be about him. It won't be about a person. It'll be about him. And I just want to say, invite, Lord, please come and do your stuff. I'd love the, the worship team to come. We're going to play through a couple of songs. I'm going to pray. I'd like to leave a minute or so just to reflect now for you. Maybe you could reflect just in your heart, maybe in silence, and then I'll pray just as to, to allow the team to get ready. So let's just have a, a bit of silence to come before God. Think about those things maybe have got in the way of that worship. Oh Lord, we want to acknowledge this morning that there's been many things we've allowed to cloud our vista, to detract us from who you are. Lord, so often we acknowledge that we've made it all about me, about us. 
when it's all about you. We want to sing how great you are this morning. Thank you. Name above all names. Worthy of our praise. Oh Lord, would you just allow our hearts to sing how great is our God. We thank you so much. Lord, would it be that you'd give me a joy. The enemy's had a good go at stealing that. With family trials, workplace difficulties, all sorts of challenges. More ahead. But Lord, as your ongoing worshipping community, we commission ourselves again to you. As we start to gather seriously again, as we sing and worship, we want to spill out. We want to be a representation of your kingdom, a representation of King Jesus. We want to be an anointed blessing to whoever we meet, whether it's in the hub, in the facilities, in the groups here or out there. Might we be a truly authentic gathering of worshipping people who love you, Lord. Let's feel that song in my heart. I love you, Lord. I lift my voice to worship you, all my soul. Rejoice. Take joy, my King, in what you hear. May it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. For your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.